Well, hello. Welcome to He Saw, She Saw. If you're just joining us, I am Corey. And I am Keith. And we love movies. Just not the same ones. So we make each other watch a movie that we love. That the other would never watch unless we were doing a podcast. And we talk about it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. This isn't going to come out on time. And a happy past Christmas. Yes. <laughs> so, the year 2022, it could be spelled 2020 plus T-W-L, like uh-huh. 2022, uh-huh. or it could be 2020 plus T-O-O, like it could be the second coming of 2020. What? I know. Forget it. Yeah, you can't do numbers at me. I know. Because I'm, my, I can't say words now. Oh. <laughs> Let me reboot. Corey's like self-destructed in front of me now. If we give her a moment to reload, she'll be fine. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, what are we doing? I, a podcast. We are doing a podcast. And I am just, I, I really shouldn't say that joke because I just want positive vibes for 2022. We've gone through a lot the past two years or yeah, so. Yeah, we don't want a part two. Nah, we don't. Yeah. So. Yeah, we had another COVID scare this week. Yay. That was fun. Yeah, for driving, the past week or so. Driving around looking for a testing site oh for my three gosh. hours in the car. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's frustrating to think that if we had just gone to the first one, it probably would have taken hours, but it would have, we would have at least gotten it done. Where the line was down the street. And yeah, out. it was only two blocks. I wasn't in the mood to stand in line with people who were sure that they had COVID. And it wasn't like we had a seven-year-old who <laughs> would have also been there. Thank God I grabbed the uh, the kid Kindle well, as we were walking out the door. The fire tablet so that... Yeah, that thing. Yeah, the okay. kid Kindle. Wow. All right. <laughs> so anyway, I watched uh, Don't Look Up the other day mm-hmm. and uh, had a panic attack for about an hour and a half. Yeah, so I don't need to look at it at all. If it gives Corey a panic attack, that's a bad sign for me. But, uh... <laughs> it was pretty... Uh, yeah. I think it's probably an important movie to watch, but um, yeah, it was... It was really hard to watch. We watched uh, Jingle Jangle, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I don't typically like musicals, as, as everyone knows, but this one was really good. It has a really strong female of color as the main character, and mm-hmm. I found it very uplifting and empowering. And our little one decided to uh, join the cast remotely. She rewound the main like song about three times and was acting it out. Yes, that's a good <laughs> sign for a movie. So, and then we watched Encanto, which we'd been wanting to watch for a while. Yeah. Really good. Mm-hmm. The ending was a little confusing to me. It wasn't the apple. Crazy. It wasn't like... <laughs> no one's going to understand that reference. I know. The apple was just like, yeah, we ran out of time. We need, we need to end the movie. <laughs> so we're all going to get in a hippie van in the sky. Yeah, whereas <laughs> Encanto kind of built to a moment. Yeah been watching uh really i've been on a fantasy kick for whatever reason Uh and so shadow and bone was my favorite great characters great story complex without being too much which are uh season two not quite as good as the first one but that was pretty good finished wheel of time that was that was all right if i hadn't watched the other two i think i would have liked wheel of time more but that one was also more complex that one has like 15 books in the series and i haven't read any of them so most excitingly I got to see one of my friends on a Marvel show. So I wanted to say congratulations to Mike Silverblatt. Oh, Michael Silverblatt. Who was in Hawkeye. Got, got, to, be, <laughs> got to be married to a black widow and lived to tell the tale. So you can't, can't beat that. So mm-hmm. congratulations, Michael. It was awesome to see you on that. So. Yeah, he went from Maya's teaching assistant to Hawkeye. 
Well, not Hawkeye, but he was. I make but he stars. was in it. He he was. Yeah. I make stars. There you go. I would love to do that one day. Just I just need to make a star. Just yeah. Well. Or to be in a. Yeah, in some sort of Marvel something. Well, keep hitch your wagon to me, and you'll get in something. Oh, we we're hitched. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we're going to watch some movies right now, actually. We're definitely going to see a movie which, as I said last week, I do not know about. And it's called A Lot Like Love. From the premise, I was like, no, I'm not going to see this movie. The whole concept of like, hey, we're going to have an awkward relationship. Not not something I sign up for. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. But Corey says it's safe, so we will see. Well, I don't know if it's safe, but it's good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But all will be well, because I have an awesome New Year's Eve movie for you to watch, mm-hmm. which is... When Harry Met Sally. There you go. I'm, I'm excited to watch this one, actually. So. Did you see the thing on Facebook where Jack Quaid finally saw his mom do the famous scene from oh, Harry wow. Met Sally? No. I'll have to uh, talk about that He's had to have seen it before. Yeah, Jake is great in the, this TV show called The Jack. Boys. Jack is great in this. <laughs> You're so bad at names. I'm so bad at names. <laughs> So Jack is really good in this Amazon series that I love called The Boys, which is like superheroes in real life. And it's really, he does a good job. And I spent like the whole first season going like, who is that? Like, I know who that is. Like, he's so familiar. And he's just one of those guys who's like a perfect amalgamation of his parents. It's like within the he's same. He's got his dad's like mouth. Like within the same scene, like in one line, he will look totally like Meg and he'll look totally like, like his father. Well, so. I liked the movie that he was in called Plus One. With, Did you though? Uh, Maya Erskine. Did you though? <laughs> it was all right. Uh-huh. He was kind of a jerk in that movie. I yeah. like Maya Erskine though. She's in um, Pen 15. Ah. You know, they pair her up with actual 15 year old boys. That is, uh, that's a show that I'm <laughs> glad it's in. She's a horrible full haircut. Weird show. It is so weird. <laughs> should we watch these movies? If we must. We must, and we shall, and All we right. do, and we will. I'll have what you're having. So we just watched a lot like love. What? Did, what? How are you feeling there, Corey? Um, this movie sure made me feel old in more ways than one. Really? Explain. Um, well, there was a rotary phone, and I remember using a rotary phone till mm-hmm. well until I was a, an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about how the internet, oh yeah, that'll be a thing. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, the music mm-hmm. totally sent me back, which is funny because I always confuse my 90s with the 2000s because they were so similar to me. When I was little and we'd have like 60s day or 50s day at school, like you knew exactly what that was. But mm-hmm. I just like, what is 90s and what is early 2000s? What is 2000s? I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's in, and, is and it because we lived through it and yeah, we this, can't look back I, uh, this objectively? Is, yeah, this, usually the way it works is you either go Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or grunge for the 90s like at school and we have like 90s mm-hmm. day versus like thousands cross, day cross colors 2000s is usually like kind of like backstreet boys kind like of matchy matchy like a lot of white clothing and butterfly clips yeah a popped collar which is funny because i was like oh my gosh i remember all these things and like, film remember when like in, oh yeah in high school my senior year i finally got to take photography and mm-hmm. i Loved it. And I remember developing film and buying film and buying photo paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, so fun. I wanted oh, yeah. a dark room in my house. So I felt old. It's weird. It made me feel timeless, even though this is like 21 years ago, 22 years oh ago now. 
You know, it's just like it's like it's yesterday. Outside of the time machine effect, what did you think of A Lot Like Love, seeing it again? I love this movie. And it's so funny because it's obvious that a man wrote it because it's very like, I'm a guy kind of chick and kind of cute and quirky and, and just, you know, their relationship was very playful. And I liked it. I thought it was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously written by a man. <laughs> the ensemble is just as good as the stars, I felt like. Yeah, there wasn't any false notes with any of the people who were in there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well cast movie. It still holds up for me. All right. Do you have a pitch for this movie? On a cross-country flight to visit his brother, recent college grad Oliver meets Emily, who just broke up with her boyfriend. Bon Jovi. After a few sparks, will they just be friends, or is it going to end up... A lot like love. Yay! So the movie came out like in 2005. Uh So we start out immediately with like seven years before. We see an emo, kind of like grunge emo, Amanda Peet. There's a lot of wigs in this movie. Yeah, this is... obvious bad wiggery. Yeah, this is clearly the worst wig. (laughs) She is getting dropped off at LAX and she's in the middle of making out with her boyfriend. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Not really. Not really. Just like, you know, one of these typical loser band dudes. They're making out in the on the hood of the car. And then suddenly a car that's being driven like a maniac, like, <laughs> cuts across. I mean, this is bad driving for L.A. Almost hops the curb. And then we see a completely discombobulated Ashton Kutcher basically fall out of the car. And he looks back into the car and yells at his sister of like, like, does mom know you drive like that? And so... I loved the sister. Oh, the sister is absolutely crazy. Played by Taryn Manning. She's very clearly like the foul-mouthed younger sister who's 16 and just... Yeah, she's like the baby of the family. She hates her brother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She has to drop him off at the airport. Yeah, so... She basically kicks him out of the car and he's like, I'm going to tell mom. And she's like, whatever. And like peels off and almost kills. Yeah. And she almost kills four other people driving away. (laughs) And while that's happening, Amanda, Pete and her boyfriend are breaking up. We also established really early that Ashton Kutcher in this movie is going to be awkward with like a camera around his neck. And he's just trying to act like. Yeah. Trying to act like he just didn't see what's happening. And he's obviously uncomfortable. They end up being on the same flight to New York and. While they're waiting to get on the flight, he doesn't have the guts and doesn't know what to say to go up to her. Well, she's a little scary because the, the, before they get on the plane, he's looking at her and she catches him looking at her. And he like looks away uh, for a while. And then when he looks back, she's still staring at him. Mm-hmm. She's like, are you going to do something about this? <laughs> she stares him down. Once they're on the plane, Ashton has the drink basically spilled on him and he has to go into the bathroom to clean up. So Amanda Pete pushes her way into the bathroom and they clearly join the mile high club together ashton still has the geeky smile on his face the whole time afterwards but they don't say anything and they get to the baggage claim and that's when he finally decides to try to make a move after they've done things together so she's clearly not impressed that he's now trying to do something gets out that his name's oliver she's like "Mm, no no just shoots him down shoots him down And then they get to the subway platform. They're the only two on the subway platform. And she's still like, "Mm, no. And also he tries to, bad move guys, uh, he tries to make fun of her previous boyfriend and calling him Bon Jovi. And he says, yeah, whatever. Like everyone plays the guitar. And she's like, oh, really? Do you play the guitar? And he's like, no. So she says strike two. We don't know what strike one is yet. They end up on the same subway car. Mm -hmm. 
and an old lady is like, oh, do you want to, do you want me to move so you can sit next to your girlfriend? And Oliver's like, why, well, yes, I would love that. Finally, he starts to make her smile a little bit, really. And uh, I mean, she loves watching him strike out and she likes and being frustrating. Him struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so finally, he gets her to laugh a little bit. By the time they get to her stop, she's like, okay, what, what's your sign? And he says, cancer. And she's like, strike three. And uh, gets off the subway and does say, hey, my name is Emily, though. And so, Don't get mugged. yeah, Oliver is completely smitten. Fast forward a little bit, and we, he's he's there to see his brother. So we meet his brother um, and his brother's girlfriend. Later, Oliver is walking around New York City with a big camera around his, his neck. And he's trying on like a, a leather jacket and doing an Elvis impression. And so, the jacket lady's not impressed. Yeah, no, not at all. And so he like gives it back, and she's very unimpressed. And he's like, hey, where's my jacket? So he got kind of mug he got lazily mugged and he's like okay what can i get for twenty dollars yeah and so he gets a was it a portland oklahoma an oklahoma like sweatshirt and like a horrible scarf <laughs> and so he's just walking around realizing he looks like a complete doofus and oh by the way who does he see but emily mm-hmm. they have the whimsical 90s or 2000s New York date where they walk around and they take pictures of each other. They end up eventually in a bar where, again, Emily loves to razz and make Oliver struggle because Oliver has just graduated college. So she's like, well, what are you what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I heard the Internet's going to be a big thing, which is such a horrible line of dialogue now unless you've lived through <laughs> And, like, I remember having those conversations in the mid-90s of, like, you know, I think this internet thing's going to take off. Anyway, and he's like, look, no, I'm going to be a total success, and it's going to be, like, within five years. I'm going to have all this stuff happen for me. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm, really? He's like, okay, fine. So he takes takes their check, and he writes down his parents' phone number and says, so you're going to call my parents in five years. And she's like, oh, because you're going to still be living with them? He's like, no. You're going to call them, ask for me, and they're going to say, oh, no, he lives somewhere else, and they'll give you my number of the ha- nice house I live in with a nice car. And when my wife picks up the phone. Yeah, then you can, uh, she'll tell you where you can send the, the 20 bucks you owe me. She's like, okay, all right, all right, Trigger. We end with Emily taking one more picture of New York, and then they kind of part ways. Two years later, we fast forward. Amanda is with a guy who's clearly a dud. He's like a writer and exec or a movie exec or something because we're in L.A. too. He's so like it's a like screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. So we, we don't know exactly what he's doing yet, but it's like, okay, this guy's going to be a dud. Very important business work. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway. Old-fashioned Apple laptop. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. <laughs> At least it wasn't an iMac. And uh, so, <laughs> well, that would have made this seem a lot funnier. Now that I think about it. So anyway. So they've made love and, you know, he's obviously love. a dud and he's and she's an actress. And so she's got this call back and he's just, you he's know, can't be bothered. Jerk. Yeah, he's a total jerk. She's like, oh, my gosh, I got a call back. Can, I, can you run lines with me? And he's like doing some sort of work. And he's like, oh, I'm going. And she's like, well, OK. And he's like, no, no, I'm going, going. And so, like, I really wish she had an iMac and had picked up the iMac and walked out. But since we're not it's not that yeah oh my gosh that would have been hilarious but anyway (laughs) after the audition she's talking to her friends Catherine Hahn is one of her best friends and then uh, the other one Corey didn't recognize at first but I'm a guy so I saw Ollie Lauder 
immediately is the other friend. They basically talk about, oh, you know, you're so much better off. But they're like, oh, but he was a really good guy. But oh, no, no, but you're really better off. And it's New Year's Eve. So you got to got to be there for the party. And but you got to have a date. So she gets home and she just starts calling with an address book, which, again, is hilarious. That that was something you used to have to do. Numbers and even memorized a few of them. Yeah. And so the only number I know now is yours. Oh, our, and our daughter knows both of our phone numbers, too, which is yes. awesome. And she so. tells everyone at the store when they ask for a number. She announces it to the world. To the entire store, <laughs> not just the checker. So she goes through the Rolodex and is, is completely striking out until she comes across the check that Oliver wrote his phone number on. So she calls the number. Oliver's still at home. And we have a single family phone, which, again... <laughs> This scene probably makes no sense to lots of people, but is just the extension scene. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> with, with people. Sister. Yeah, people trying to get on the phone. I'm on and the like, phone. Yeah, but Emily is just dying on the phone, just covering her mouth. Well, and she so, enjoys watching him squirm. So. Yeah, so Oliver's like, "Let's go do something," and so they're hanging out, and she's still making him squirm a little bit. But Oliver's a little bit more confident. And he's dishing out a little bit more than he used to. He's going to sell diapers on the internet, which, again, today is like, yeah, that's a great business model. But back then, (laughs) it was totally for comedic effect. They're clearly vibing, but she's just teasing him to death. And so he's like, all right, all right, whatever. So they've been over to his, they've been over to her house. They've been over to Chinese food. I think they did coffee as well. Anyway, they're talking about like, oh, I just hate New Year's Eve. It's like, yeah, it's just so stupid with people in the hats. And she's like, I know a party. I'm like, oh, let's go. And so, <laughs> Which this is the funny part that she, she goes in her trunk and she's got full on costume changes. Oh, yeah. Which when you're an actor. Oh, completely. You always have a bunch of weird random stuff in your trunk. Like, oh, yeah. I had a judge's robe in my, my trunk for a while. To this day, because we live in, in such a spacious quarters, <laughs> like my wrestling stuff just lives in the trunk. <laughs> like, I've got four different wrestling outfits on me at any given time. And anytime so. anyone gives me a gift that I can't place exactly in our home, it lives in my trunk until I can find a place. Oh, yeah. So I have a, an electric can opener in there right now. And... <laughs> <laughs> so... So she has not only a, a Marilyn Monroe-ish type dress for herself, she also has a shirt for it's very creamer, like bowling shirt kind of kind of not not quite. Like, yeah, it's like late nineties. I'll put a picture up of it because yeah. it's a very nineties. Yeah, it's like early no, early two thousands. Nice. Yeah, it's it's nice. like one of those things where like today you'd be like, What is that? That's but back then it was shirt. like, Yeah, no, that's a good <laughs> Yeah. That counts. That can, that can be in a formal, it's low end, but that can work in a yeah. lot of different situations. So in the midst of them changing behind a dumpster, he's like, hey, well, what was the first strike? And she said, well, you didn't make the first move. They go to the party. And of course, who's at the, so it's a swanking. Oh, she tells him, don't tell people you sell diapers on the internet. So of course, for the rest of the night, he always tells people immediately <laughs> that he sells diapers on Hi, the internet. I sell diapers on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they get to this incredibly swank party. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, who's there? Peter, which is the name of Emily's ex-boyfriend. Screenwriter, important business. Who's already got another wannabe starlet beating out of his hands. So she's a little upset, but trying to stay under control. Oliver's finally breaking down her defenses. She's kind of like, okay, you are kind of cool. They get separated for the countdown. Mm -hmm. And she ends up being like right next to Peter, who's just making out with his girlfriend and she's just like so sad and out of nowhere Oliver finally finds her and, and swoops in and gives her a big kiss so she doesn't have the embarrassment of not you know, having someone to kiss in front of her boyfriend ex-boyfriend exactly at countdown 
some time. So they go to Oliver's house since he doesn't live with his parents. He's just <laughs> earlier he's mentioned that, hey, yeah, I'm moving. You know, I had he to. He lives in a um, studio. Yeah. LA. Yeah. Just. Which t- seemed a little big. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which was both looked horrible yet too big. It's like my first comment was like, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a roommate in there. Or like, two. yeah, he's going to have at least two roommates if you're in L.A. <laughs> Emily's a little bummed because she's like, well, where did where? Why is all your stuff? It's like, oh, like I said, I, I've got to move for business. So, you know, this is my last night in town. And she's like, oh, OK. And she's kind of looking at the last boxes that are there. And she sees the picture that she took framed. She's like, oh. And so he's like, and he's like, yeah, it's a great picture. And they um, they're about to they're commence. about to have fun. They're about to commence. <laughs> And she's like, okay, just hold on a second. I got to gotta go to the bathroom. Emily's taking way too long, so he goes into the bathroom, and she's passed out. On the toilet. On the toilet. Not sitting on the toilet. No. She's passed out, hugging it. So Oliver pulls down the Murphy bed and puts her on it. The next morning, she wakes up, and everything's gone. So he said that, hey, I don't, you know, didn't want to wake you, but here's my big expensive camera as a gift to you. A few years pass. We're seeing that Oliver's company seems to be doing well in San Francisco. Uh, they better be because they're on the pier of San Francisco. <laughs> he's a workaholic. So he and his girlfriend break up because he doesn't have time for He's got to get ready for a big pitch in New York. His business partner is Cal Penn, who is getting an H2 for a test drive, <laughs> which is a Hummer, which is a horrendous a car. Oh, my gosh. Those, those cars were so bad. Remember when they came out and it was like, oh, my gosh, a military luxury vehicle? Oh, my. I always hated them. <laughs> um, yeah. They're so, it, But but in the Bay Area especially, it was totally a thing. Yeah. Like that was one of the subtle ways of saying, oh, I'm no, rich. I'm way richer than I need to be <laughs> because the gas mileage was like 10 miles per gallon and it was just horrible cars. But anyway. But he's getting one because they're about to go to New York for a VC pitch, so a venture capitalist pitch. But Oliver is still kind of stressed and weird. So Cal is like, look, take the weekend off and do whatever you need. Just clear your head because we got our big pitch. Cut to L.A. where we see Catherine Hahn has married her boyfriend and they've got kids. And so we're in the middle of a kid's party. She's and super pregnant. Who's there? Emily, who's taking pictures of what's going on at the party. And so because she's a photographer now now because he helped her see her gift. Things are obviously going well for her with photography, much better than acting. Mm -hmm. Still has that beautiful. She also has a beautiful apartment. Oh, Oh my gosh. In L.A. How do you afford that? Yeah. So she goes back home. And of course, her home has a courtyard. Mm -hmm. It's very Melrose placey. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. She goes home and who's in her courtyard? Oliver. Since, again, last time. He was in L.A. He went and picked her up at her place. So he knows where she lives. And so she is psyched. She's super excited. <laughs> She's, She's like, get yeah, it she, done. Yeah. Oliver just wants to talk about his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> She's trying to act like she's interested in like the soothing. So they go to they go to get some pancakes. Emily is doing everything she can to try to get Oliver out of his little rut. And then suddenly, uh, Ali Lager from Varsity Blues and also earlier in this movie, walks up to the also uh, known as in this movie walks up and they're like oh hey how's it going and they haven't seen each other in a couple years and they're so like oh yeah and then who is she with peter the, the screenwriter the screenwriter dork douche 
ex-boyfriend. And that is what kicks Oliver out of, turns him into a knight in shining armor again. Oliver immediately gets out from under the rain cloud to be like, oh no, Emily's doing great. Like, you know, hey, we're, we're hanging out. Once they leave, both of their faces go back to like rain clouds. And so like, okay, let's do something. So they decide to drive north. They end up at Joshua Tree. Finally, Oliver's kind of breaking out of, okay, I need to stop talking. I mean, who, who do I have in front of me? I've got to stop and thinking about the sex. And snacks from the gas station. Oh, yeah. But they're in the desert. Emily does time-lapse photography. So they do time-lapse photography with them both naked and bracing with the stars behind them. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to stay still. But they can't help themselves. And so they wake up in the morning in a very funny scene in the station wagon with a park ranger ranger waking them up. And they're both clearly naked. (laughs) And so get your clothes on and get back on the highway. (laughs) Even the ranger is trying not to laugh. It's just a ridiculous situation to be in. There's like a family uh, at a picnic table with with a picnic Mm -hmm. right next to them. So (laughs) Oliver's like, oh, my gosh, I've got to go. Because he's got his business meeting. They get back to her apartment and he's pulling the, um, what's that guy from Fast Times at Richmond High? Spicoli? Not Spicoli. Judd? Damone? The, the one where he's like, he's going to break up with the girl and she's going to be heartbroken. Oh, the, the Judge Reinhold? Brad. Yeah, so the, the he's trying to do the Brad speech from Fast Time at Richmond High. And like, you know, I, I've still got some feelings I need to work out with it. Actually, she's like, oh, no, that's totally fine. I, I've, I've met someone. He's like. And like, he's like immediately, like in Fast Times, he's like, what? Do you mean what, what, what? <laughs> Who she's met is uh, Jeremy Sisto from, from Clueless. Clueless. So Oliver's like, okay. He goes to his meeting in New York City and does a horrible pitch. Um, <laughs> nervous. Just completely nervous and horrible. I've talked to people who have been in those meetings and they're like, you will not believe how many of these people present like that. Like they're just so nervous and it, it, it is completely nerve wracking because if they say yes, your life completely changes immediately right. and you get to, you get to afford not one H2, but three H2s if you want. And so. And Cal Penn is sitting there just kind of watching the, uh, the, the train wreck fireball. <laughs> and he's like trying to cheer him on. <laughs> yeah. Trying to give him like whispering, like mouthing the words of what he needs to say next. They get done with it, and he's like, yeah, it could have been worse. And they uh, get on a flight, and who sits next to Oliver but Meghan Markle. <laughs> Which you picked out right away. Immediately, who's credited as the hot girl. Even though she says her name. And so Cal Penn, <laughs> so she's sitting next to Oliver, mm-hmm. but Cal Penn is like, he like knows how to hit on a girl. He sits down, and he's like, hey, did I mention I'm about to be rich? Cut to, hey, they're waiting around the phone. The call comes in. They get the $6.2 million, and they're super excited, and there's this huge celebration. Cut to the H2 being repossessed. It's like, it says year later. A year later. And the, and the warehouse is totally empty. And he's lost everything. So he's like, ah. Except the keychain. Except. They let him keep the keychain. Calpen gets, gets to keep the, the Hummer keychain. <laughs> Even though it's like $25. After begging. <laughs> Oliver's got to move back home to LA. Got to move back home to his parents' house. And he's obviously just depressed. And his brother basically peps him up. And it's like, because they're at the beach, kind of like as a family. And, and the brother's married with the girl we met earlier. And they've got kids. And the brother's like, hey, you should get one. And he's like, a kid. yeah. And <laughs> and he's like, dude, I'm like almost 30. And my life is over. I don't have anything going on. And the brother is like, dude, just, you know, your life is already happening. Mm. You know, you just, so it's, lie. It's not going to it's not going to wait for you to dust yourself off. You just have to live. Oliver keeps trying to run into Emily because he goes by a photography art gallery. 
art gallery and he sees her work. He also sees the picture that they took in the desert. <laughs> and so one. he desperately tries to like hang out at that art gallery, like across the street at a laundry mat, just staring it down. Just, just to run into her. But finally what happens is, is that Oliver gathers up his nerves girds his and Emily's at her apartment. Some guitar music starts to play. Some relatively bad, <laughs> but you know, still a beginner. So Emily has no idea what's happening. So she walks out and there is Oliver and he plays what was a surprisingly decent rendition of I'll Be There For You by, of course, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. <laughs> so it's super cute. Emily is like just laughing. At the end, he's got a crowd. They're they're cheering. One guy yells, you suck because guys suck. And so there will be a guy who will always, <laughs> no matter what, Bon Jovi could have done it. And one guy would have yelled, you suck. <laughs> Oliver says, I don't have anything going for me, but would you give me my first strike back? And she's like, I'm, I'm engaged. And he was like, ah, so. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. So the timing is horrible. So he's just like, all right. And she kind of walks him out the courtyard. And he's like, well, at least I'll never wonder. And he goes. Which leaves her to start wondering. Yeah, so about six months later, she clearly is having kind of some second thoughts and she's starting to, you know, but her life is moving on. And so she's like, all right, you know, this is just what I got to do. This is where my life is going. And, you know, this is the timing that's right. And then she comes across the first roll of film she took of Oliver, because when we went all the way back to the New York, she took the first roll of film. She just like wasted his film, which, again, makes no sense to anybody today. But back then, film was precious. Yes. Like, but she, buy, she bought him another roll, and then she happened to stick that roll in her pocket. Yeah. So she is a photographer, so she goes into the dark room. and she, she has one. Because she has one. Rain living the dream. And so she super excitedly talks to Catherine Hahn, and she says, look, this is the first roll. And so you see, these are pictures of me at the airport. So he took pictures of me but from before they from met. before we met. So he really did have he really did take the first move. And Catherine's looking at him like her like, what are you doing? <laughs> Obviously, Emily wants to be with Oliver. But it's like at this point, it's just kind of fantasy. And so Catherine Hahn needs to go suit shopping with her husband who walks in. But Oliver, who doesn't see Catherine Hahn. And so he goes into the back to get fitted for a tux. <laughs> so funny because she's like. Her husband needs her opinion. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she grabs like a bunch of socks and shoves them at him. Uh -huh. And he's like, these are socks. And she's like, yeah, 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 try them on. And she walks away. <laughs> yeah. So because she's watching Oliver, Oliver like a hawk. And the guy who's fitting him for the tux says, you know, you don't want your pants falling down at the altar. You don't want your pants falling down in the middle of I do. He's like, oh. <gasps> Yeah. Catherine has this important information now that Oliver is going to be in the midst of a wedding. And so she's mortified when she returns to Emily because Emily has broken off the engagement with Jeremy Sisto. Mm -hmm. And so Catherine's like, oh, my gosh, you can't do that because he's about to get married because I saw him getting fitted for a tux to be in a wedding. Emily just has her mind made up. So she's like, I'm just going to tell him what's happening. And, she, and Catherine's like, it's too late. And she's like, I just I've got to tell him. She does a very 90s thing next. Yeah, so then she we have phone books out. So she's looking for the family uh, family's address. She's so on the phone with information. and information does a reverse call trace basically, <laughs> and says, "Oh yeah, I can tell you what their address is." Which I didn't realize, but I did read an, an article the other day is that up until like the mid '90s or early 2000s, you could go to the DMV and you could get anyone's address. There was this actress, so that that Rebecca Schaefer. Yeah, so Rebecca Schaefer that. Uh. She had a stalker who got the address from the DMV. And, and when, so yeah. 
within a year. Yeah. So within a year or two from that, they were like, you've got to stop giving out people's addresses because of stalking. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very familiar with that story. uh, Yes, of course you are. But this is the the non-creepy stalking portion. Yes. So we don't have an airport running through the airport scene to say I love you. But we have a racing up to the family house, which the wedding is actually being prepared. It's like in the backyard about to happen. Yes. The minister has called Ashton and the brother over to, hey, we need to get started. Emily just kind of walks into the house and looks in from across the living room. Looking into the backyard, Ashton sees her and they lock eyes. She sees that the, the ceremony is about to start. And she's like, oh, my gosh, this is just so embarrassing. I'm way too late. And so she tries to turn around and race out. <laughs> And runs flat out. And we don't ever know what the glass door is, but there is a glass door that she runs full on face. And so Ashton immediately races after her. And she's like, no, I'm too late. I'm too late. It's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And and she says, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. And she like races away and then he races after Emily. And so Emily's in her, trying to get into her car. Again, not good to drive when concussed. And she's she's kind of fumbling a little bit. And he goes up. He's like, no, it's not too late. It's not too late. And she's like, and so they kiss. And then we hear the screech of Taryn Manning. <laughs> you such a D. <laughs> yeah. For, and she's wearing. These, it was like a Gwen Stefani 90s like wedding. Oh, dress. yeah. This like, is like she was a genie in the bottle if you rubbed her the right way type of. Okay. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> anyway. So he's like, no, it's my it's my sister's wedding. <laughs> So she kind of looks in and she kisses and she's about to say something and says, don't, you'll ruin it. Which is her line. Which is her line that she, and which makes her even kiss him even more. Mm-hmm. And then we have end credits. Yay. Yay. They got together. Yeah. Yeah. They got together. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. And so that was a lot like love. I thought the quality of the movie was really well done. Mm-hmm. And I thought the, yeah, skewed towards a guy, mm-hmm. but the script was well. Very clean. Yeah, very, very well done movie. And so I was surprised to see Not that. Not in language or content, just very yeah. clean and cut. It might be Amanda Peet's best role. It's not Oscar winning, but I thought Ashton also, from an acting perspective, I thought did did well. Like he, he seemed like kind of a, you know, as someone who lived in the Bay Area, like it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I know that guy. He had He just had an awkwardness about him. Not like I'm dumb. But he did. He had intelligence. He had some awkwardness kind of throughout, which was which was well done. And when he needed to turn on the charm, he turned on mm-hmm. the charm, but not like as in I'm a different person. It was all within the character. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really well done. Yeah. And the cast was overall really good as well. And the soundtrack completely. I mean, we've got uh, Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, so we know we're supposed to be in the late 90s. At one point. <laughs> That's how you know. And Sammy Charm life so the soundtrack is crazy very good use of um breathe 2 a.m mm-hmm. so Just breathe. yeah and i didn't realize uh brighter than sunshine as well so yeah uh, the, the bad parts is it is incredibly predictable it's incredibly predictable it is a little implausible yeah been impl- i mean not like serendipity level of implausibility yeah, the most implausible to me was when he ran into her in New York City. The fact that they would just happen to be in the right borough together and be like catty corner from each other. But yeah, so and, and again, as you mentioned before, it's definitely written from a, a guy's mm-hmm. perspective. You know, I know it's the ultimate guy fantasy of like, hey, I don't got nothing, but I just want you. I'm kind of a sucker for like true love and, you know. What? 
I know. The whole showing up at your doorstep and saying, hey, I don't got money and I'm living with my parents. Well, she liked him enough. Well, she kind of, but you got to have a plan. Like even like even our love story, like, you know, I had a plan. Things weren't I wasn't in the best position, but I had a plan. I was working towards a plan. It was a good plan. It wasn't like, oh, I'll just be rich someday. I think you could see that I had a plan. I wasn't just doing nothing. you, You had been dancing around being a teacher. And then you finally were like, okay, I'm going to do it, actually. I'm going to, this is what I'm going for. And mm-hmm. so you made the decision, and then you took the, the steps toward it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then you got a job sweeping parking lots at mm-hmm. midnight to 3 a.m. to buy me a ring. Of course. I love you. Even though I said, I don't need a ring. I really mm. wanted one, though, so that was nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Kyle Kennedy, for that job. I didn't need one. One. Yeah, I think I'd like to give my rating. Would, okay. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up on this movie? I really enjoyed watching it again, and I'm glad that I had to purchase it because I will watch it many more times. You laughed out loud a bunch of times. Most movies are good at the time, and then they get less good over time mm-hmm. is normally what happens with movies. Mm-hmm. Rarely what happens is a movie is good, and then it keeps its relevance moving forward, that mm-hmm. it's, it's still good when you're looking back. What's really interesting about this movie is it is the rarest of movies in that it's okay the time it was made, mm-hmm. and it gets better as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely would have to give this movie two thumbs up. <gasps> It's a really good movie. It is guy-centric. But the thing is, is as a guy, you have to have lived a bit to like this movie. Mm. I totally remember being 21 and being like, oh, yeah, I'm graduated from college. So, of course, I'll be rich within the next, like, three to five years. But, you know, I and other people have been knocked down that and gotten back up and gotten to the place they were even better before. So, And one of the other reasons why I like it so much is the number one fear in my life was that I would marry someone who was like second place. So I really like the movie because I feel like I won. I don't have to wonder, I got you. Well, I'll be there for you. These five words I swear to you, when you breathe, I wanna be the air for you. I'll I'll be be there there for you. Could make me feel blue. No, could make me feel true. Okay, here we go with the lyrics. All right, I should have called up the lyrics. Anyway, I am just blown away by all of the things that were in common between both of our movies. I tried so hard to be quiet (laughs) during a lot like love, and I had to be totally quiet during the explanation because it wasn't going to make sense at that point. There were so many similarities between. The two. Because I knew nothing about A Lot Like Love. I knew nothing about it. So did this movie hold up for you? Yeah, and I was a little concerned because I hadn't seen it. So many of these movies, I didn't realize how many movies I've only seen once or mm-hmm. twice. And I'm so, realizing it. <laughs> yeah, so I literally have not. I don't even know the last time I saw it. Sometime in the 90s, probably at some point. Mm-hmm. If that. But I like saw it about, didn't see it in the theater. But saw it on video like once or twice after it came out. 
I don't think you were the target audience when it came out in the theater because you were like in what ninth grade. Something like that, yeah. So, oh, sorry, but it was, but it was good. You. I liked the, uh, I liked Harry Connick Jr. That was my introduction to Harry Connick Jr. And I uh, wish I was more gifted with the vocal arts. But yeah, I used to have a few you Harry Connick songs under my uh, under my repertoire. What? A little bit of me and a whole lot of you. Okay. Add a dash of starlight and a dozen roses too. Then let it rise for a hundred years or two, and time? that's the recipe for making love. So this movie, of course, was written by Nora Ephron. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. And as you said, the music was arranged by, um, I feel like, a 12-year-old Harry Connick Jr. Wasn't that far <laughs> off. He was only about 21 or 22 <laughs> when it came out. I remember 1989. And yeah, he was 22. 60, he was born 67. So, yeah, he was 22 when this came out. Okay, well, so basically 12. Yeah, basically. Like I guess. And he actually, I don't know if you know this, but he won his first Grammy for the soundtrack. As he should. Mm-hmm. And the idea for the story came from Reiner's divorce from Penny Marshall. And Harry is actually loosely based on him, but Billy Crystal came in and made him funnier. And wow. Harry was offered to Tom Hanks, Richard Dreyfus, and Albert Brooks first, mm-hmm. and then they gave it to Billy Crystal. The other two real notable ones, I think, was uh, Bill Murray also turned it down. Really? And uh, uh, the Fabulous Baker Boys. What, were the, who are those guys? Bridges? Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Ugh. It would have been a different movie with all of them. Mm-hmm. So Efron kind of gave them a structure, but a lot of the dialogue came from Reiner and uh, Crystal's actual real-life friendship. Sally is based off of Efron and a few of her friends like combined, which mm-hmm. I was I was like, I would hope so, because Sally is a lot. So I would hope that she's based off of not just one person, but many people with different neuroses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Sally was offered to a lot of other actresses. Molly Ringwald was almost cast, but Ryan convinced Reiner to cast her. It was later adapted into a play starring Luke Perry and Allison Hannigan. And then... Ringwald finally got to play the role of Sally because she came in as part of the second cast for the play. Nice. So she did get to do it later. You had my Luke Perry, uh, my 90210, I was going to throw that in for you, but you already <laughs> knew. I just feel like the movie wouldn't be the same without Ryan and Crystal. Do you want to hear my pitch? Sure. Can men and women really be friends? We won't know until Harry met Sally. <laughs> what? <laughs> So we're in 1977, we're at the University Mm -hmm. of Chicago, and we have Sally Albright, of course played by Meg Ryan, Mm -hmm. and she has what can only be described as a quaff, and it is in full feathered Heather Locklear mode, and at one point she even takes out a can of Aquanet, which totally brought me back to the girls' bathroom in seventh grade, Mm -hmm. um, because I had crazy bangs in junior high, I don't know if you know this. They were banging. I would tease them and spray the crap out of them, and my parents would be embarrassed to go places with me because I had, like, impenetrable bangs. Mm-hmm. I like the fringe bang where you, like, the you had some up at the top and then some kind of down on your on your forehead. Yeah, the shield. The sh- yes, the shield. I'll I'll post a picture if I can if I can find it. Mm-hmm. But um, Aquanet was a was a staple. But actually, I preferred White Rain. It smelled a little a little nicer. I have no idea what any of this is talking about. <laughs> Sally's hair, I feel like, is basically its own character in this mm-hmm. in this movie. Sally's about to share a car ride to New York with Harry Burns, who is played by Billy Crystal. And when we meet him, he's supposed to be like a young college grad, and he's sucking face with his latest girlfriend. So they give him extra hair and some sideburns, but I feel like he still looks like he's 40. Yeah, there were a little bit of gray still in there. So <laughs> like, He's supposed to be 
a garlic bread? Okay. Well, but you did look younger than you did for the rest of the movie, so. Yeah, by like two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Harry gets in the car and immediately starts mansplaining anything and everything to Sally, but not before he spits a grape seed at the window. <laughs> <laughs> that was rolled up. And then when he realizes his mistake, he, he offers to roll the window down. <laughs> I feel like he's a bit insufferable. And I think in real life, I would probably have shoved him out of the moving vehicle. But since I'm just an observer, I found him quirky and amusing. Yeah, he was decent looking guy, but he's not like a leading man. And so I think it's kind of one of the interesting things about the chemistry is like Billy Crystal has no shot with Meg Ryan. <laughs> I think it would have been a different movie if, like, Tom Hanks or Jeff Bridges had been Well, if Tom movie. Hanks had been in it, then it would have been You've Got Mail 1. <laughs> yeah, well, it would have been Sleepless in Seattle 1. Oh, that's true. <laughs> because Sleepless in Seattle is 2, and then You've Got Mail is 3. However, in You've Got Mail, they're more bickery than they are in Sleepless in Seattle. So that is I feel true. like it would have been You've Got Mail 1. I was not a fan of You've Got Mail. <laughs> so they disagree and bicker over whether uh, or not men and women can just be friends. Harry thinks the sex part always gets in the way, unless the man doesn't find the woman attractive. But in that case, he still wants to have sex with her, which just makes his point. So after many hours in the car, Harry reassures Sally that empirically, she's really attractive. And Sally takes this as her dear friend's boyfriend hitting on her, and she does not appreciate it. While all this is going on, we learn that Sally is very particular when ordering food. And she's a bit manic about everything. Mm -hmm. And New York cannot come soon enough. So Sally drops Harry off and they go on with their lives. No contact number, nothing. Just a handshake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so five years later, mm -hmm. Sally is making out with a guy in an airport. Mm -hmm. And Harry walks by and he stares at them. And we think it's because he recognizes Sally, but he's actually old roommates with her kissing partner, Joe. And Sally desperately tries to hide under her new 80s newscaster helmet hair. And Harry either can't place her or he picks up on her hiding and doesn't say anything. But, of course, later they end up on the same plane. And Sally's seatmate offers to switch with Harry against her protests. <laughs> like, oh, would you like to switch seats? And Harry's like, yeah. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> Another connection to a lot like love. Yes. So we learn Harry's engaged, and since both of them are involved with other people, he amends his former position and declares that they can now be friends. But then he backtracks because... Within 30 seconds. Yes, because uh, through a series of instantaneous revelations, he realizes they actually can't be friends. And so Sally bids him adieu, and she tries to walk off in the same direction, at the same pace. <laughs> <laughs> so he offers to give her a head start away from him. Five more years later, we learn that Sally, who now has a relaxed, messy perm, and Joe have just broken up. And we cut to a baseball game where Harry is pouring his heart out to his BFF, Jess, played by Bruno Kirby. R.I.P. R.I.P. He's having this heart-to-heart uh, -heart with him in the midst of doing the wave because his wife has left him for another man. Yeah, that's what I always tell my kids is that if they want to be close to their dad just because the way our, our society is with men and feelings, you know, no one likes baseball. No one likes fishing. What? Like. It's just, it's an excuse for guys to talk about feelings. So like, because guys can't talk about feelings directly with each other. Mm -hmm. If you think you like soccer, if you think you like baseball, if you think you like fishing, you don't like them, you love your dad. Mm. Because that's when you're having your heart-to-hearts with them. So Sally's with her friend, Marie, who's played by Carrie Fisher. R.I.P. R.I.P. So they're at a bookstore. Marie notices Harry is 
staring at Sally from the self-help section. So they end up going out for coffee, and Sally tells him that she realized that she really wanted to get married and have a family, but Joe didn't. So they broke up, and she's really okay with it. And Harry is really broken up about his divorce, especially since the movers knew about it before he did. And mm-hmm. they decide to try and be friends because they're both in a yucky place. Yeah, she's not interested in him at all but it's mm-hmm. like oh you're going through this thing i'm going through this thing too let's just be friends and yeah so they take walks they eat at diners they go to museums they watch casablanca together over the phone which i found out reiner and crystal did together almost every night they would like channel surf while they were on the phone with each other <laughs> i was like what is this a bunch of teenage mm-hmm. girls it's the thing with guys is you can't talk about feelings you but if you got but if you got something going on mm-hmm. Then you can kind of on the side, you can talk more about feelings. So, yeah. So they pour out their neuroses onto each other and they encourage each other to get back out there and see people, which to Harry means sleeping with everyone, no matter how bad the date goes, which horrifies Sally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cut to the famous diner scene where Harry tells Sally that he can tell when a date is having a good time. And Sally proves that women can fake having a good time by having one right there at the table. Enter Rob Reiner's mom. With the famous line, I'll have what she's having, which is number 33 on the AFI's 100 list of most memorable movie lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you know that at Cat's Deli, they actually have a sign over the table that says, this is where Harry met Sally, and we hope you have what she's having. <laughs> nice. little plaque on the table, huh? It's not a plaque. It's a sign hanging from the sky. Wow. <laughs> like an arrow and I, I wondered how many takes ryan had to film for this scene and mm-hmm. when i found i i looked it up and apparently she faked orgasms for hours <laughs> <laughs> just ask dennis quick but <laughs> oh. um yeah so they were like they they were like oh she could talk about faking orgasms and so they were like oh yeah and, and meg ryan was like well why don't i just do one cut to doing it all afternoon so they end up at a new year's eve party where they decided if they're single next year then they're going to be each other's dates and they're having a good time together mm-hmm. um and then they dance cheek to cheek and they both start to realize that they are attracted to one another mm-hmm. so they step out for some air during the countdown and immediately decide to set each other up with their bffs on a double date so the date is torturous until jess and marie immediately fall for each other and ditch harry and sally to share a cab but they sort of get their blessing before that mm-hmm. they like kind of do a separate like a uh, timeout, you know, you like, did, oh, I'll... it's the right thing to do. You just get everything clear before anything happens. And you're yeah. like, all right. And they were like, you know, that's how are you, keep... you sure you're not, in- are you not interested in him? Is it okay? And yeah, but maybe you should wait a little while. Cause you know, Harry's really, they're both sensitive. vulnerable. And, yeah. and then, and Harry and Jess tells Harry, are you sure? Yeah, but you should probably wait a little while. Cause Sally's really vulnerable. And so yeah. <laughs> That's how, that's how you keep a friendship is you is you may put the lines out there ahead of time and just like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Is this okay? Are you sure it's okay? Are you really, really sure it's okay? They wait about two seconds and mm-hmm. Jess says, I'm going to get a cab. And Marie goes, I'll join you. And they take off mm-hmm. and leave Harry and Sally standing on the curb looking like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fast forward. While shopping for a housewarming gift for them at the Sharper Image, which was hilarious to see what new cutting-edge products were Mm -hmm. at the Sharper Image in 1989. Mm -hmm. So high-tech. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, Harry runs into his ex-wife, Helen, and her new lover. And so he becomes an unhappy rain cloud over Jess and Marie's housewarming. But they don't notice because they're lovingly bickering over a hideous wagon wheel coffee table. Mm-hmm. Harry has an outburst where he tells them it's all going to end in them fighting over that coffee table. And he storms out. And Marie promises that she'll never try to get her hands on that awful table. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's Corey. <laughs> I will never try to take that away from you. <laughs> So Sally goes outside and tries to com- comfort Harry, and he takes it all out on her, and he says she's not over Joe because she hasn't slept with anyone else. And Sally accuses Harry of sleeping with everyone in New York City. And then they apologize, and they make up and head back inside. On their way inside, they run into Jess, who is uh, going to throw out the wagon wheel table, and he yells at them to not say a word. <laughs> <laughs> So then Sally calls uh, Harry late one night in tears because Joe is getting married. And Harry comes over and consoles her. And Sally realizes that she's not upset that Joe's getting married. She's upset because he didn't want to marry her. Mm-hmm. So Harry holds her and they end up making out. And then they end up bleh, making love. <laughs> a little bit of me okay. and a whole lot of you. <laughs> So afterwards, Sally is elated, but Harry looks like he's going to bolt for the door, which Mm -hmm. we have learned is what he usually does. And he once wondered aloud to her if 30 seconds of cuddling was enough. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no, you're an all-night cuddler, aren't you? Okay, you're an all-night. He's like, that's your problem. Between 30 minutes and all night, that's your problem. 30 seconds. 30 seconds and all night, that's your problem. So he waits until early the next morning to leave, but not before a very awkward exchange, and he promises to take her out that night. They both feel yucky, and to Harry's relief, Sally says it was a mistake, and even more to his relief, she said it first, so he didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And things are very awkward, and they end up having it out at Jess and Marie's wedding. Fortunately, in the back kitchen, not in front of everyone else. Where uh, Sally slaps him when he says that uh, men and women can't be friends. And after a while, Harry realizes that he was kind of harsh, and so he keeps trying to fix things. And he calls, and he leaves countless messages on on Sally's answering machine. Um, Some of them included karaoke, but uh, she feels like they just can't be friends. So that next New Year's Eve, Sally's at a party with Jess and Marie, and she's not having a very good time. Harry stayed home to watch Dick Clark. R.I.P. (laughs) R.I.P. Um, He takes a walk, and then he realizes something. So he ends up running to the party Sally is leaving, and he confesses his love to her. But she thinks he's just lonely, and it's New Year's Eve. And then he starts listing all the crazy things that he loves about her. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. So they finally have a New Year's Eve kiss. Mm -hmm. And they get married three months later. Well, 12 years and three months after they met. Mm Mm-hmm. And the original ending, I guess, had them just stay friends, which Efron and Ryder felt was the true ending, but they they realized that even though it's not realistic, it would be better if they got married. 
Yeah, I think it was. I think it was interesting because, especially those last scenes when the Harry character doesn't know what he wants is, is the big issue. Is why she's not picking up. Is it's like she's crossed the line. She realizes she is attracted to him, and so it's like, look, if you're either going to be boyfriend or girlfriend, or she's done. Right. Sally would not be friends with with Harry after this. It takes Harry realizing, like, no, 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 I'm I'm in it for real. And not like, hey, let's date and see what happens. I'm in it for real, real. And that's the only way that she would be with them. And that's why she says, you go and do that. And I hate you. I really hate you. And then he melts into his arms into a kiss. And yada, yada. Because she's always saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. I really love you. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the film apparently did inspire a lot like love, which explains the connections of chance meetings, New York, fast forwarding the years, platonic friendship. Turning into sex, turning into love, and of course, New Year's Eve parties. Mm-hmm. So I really love the chemistry between Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. And um, like I said, I don't think this movie would have been the same without them. And in real life, I probably would shove both of them out of a moving vehicle. But on screen, they're witty and delightful. What I really liked about the chemistry is that usually in movies, it's like, oh, I love you, I love you, because... I'm the best looking guy in this entire movie and I'm the best looking girl in this entire movie. And so of course we should get together. And I, what I really liked about the script is that by the end, like you could understand why someone who looks like Meg Ryan would be willing to marry someone who looks like Billy Crystal. You know, it's like the personalities fit with each other. So, but yeah, I was getting some flashbacks on some ex-girlfriends during that, this movie, which was, I didn't realize I was like, (laughs) Oh, like, like the early Sally's, like not the later Sally's, but the early Sally's I'm like, yeah, I dated that one. Yep, dated that one. And I'm like, okay, thank goodness I got Corey. So. Well, she's like the worst kind of high maintenance. Yeah. She's high maintenance. But think, she thinks she's, she's low maintenance. maintenance. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of, I, I agree. Because I didn't quite believe that Crystal was as successful with the ladies as he was. I mean, you have to be a lot hotter mm-hmm. to act like that and get that kind of action. Um, well, if it's 2 a.m., you know, it's closing time. Like I don't think he, I don't think he would close it at nine nine p.m. or or ten. I think he's a two a.m. or yeah. He's like, oh, well, the last one's in the bar. Hey, <laughs> you wanna? I wanna. You wanna? So yeah, but um, and I loved the best friends. Uh, they definitely held their own against the two main main stars. Yeah, yeah. Boona Kirby and Carrie Fisher were both great in this movie. Um, I felt like the script, the script felt to me a lot like a play. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that's just Efron's kind of style. Um, I have read and loved both of her memoirs, I Feel Bad About My Neck and I Remember Nothing, which I used to own, but I don't think I do anymore because we don't have room for books. <laughs> <laughs> when we say that, we say that because we literally, I mean, very conservatively, we have like 200 books in this, in this little apartment. And we've, and we've given out like three times more than that. that mm-hmm. And what did we get for Christmas each? Uh, we each got books. About four books each? Yeah, about yep. four books each. <laughs> Keith prefers the hardbacks because... Uh, well, they're usually new. <laughs> they're usually new mo- new books. I don't like usually get older books. So they're not in paperback yet. I wait for the paperback because I don't want to move it. And I don't want to like have it on a shelf taking up space. So I get paperbacks because they're smaller. There you go. That's a uh, running argument. In our and, house. You, and you always love to read them in a bathtub too, so... <laughs> Hard to do that with a hardback. It is hard because uh, you ever got hit in the head with a hardback while you're in the bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> no, have you? Yes. Wow. All I right. have several books that are now bathtub books. Aww. Because they're 
wet. Dunked. Because <laughs> they're du- they've been dunked. I and and also the thing that you kind of were saying were saying about like baseball and and men talking about their feelings. I was just really skeptical that men actually discuss so deeply on such a personal level like their thoughts and feelings because I guess because whenever I've been around men don't really like that's not what I know of men. So I I kind of didn't feel like that part was I felt that part was a little far-fetched, but apparently it is based on Crystal and Reiner's friendship. So, I don't know, maybe it's just them two and how they are. Rule one is you don't talk about other girls in front of girls because that's just rude. And at least my experience as a guy is that there are certain guys that I, I do talk about. I would talk like that level with. That was his best friend. Yeah. And so, you know, like any of my, I was really lucky with like some guys like have to really kind of like go down the line to figure out groomsmen. That would make sense. But all, all five of the groomsmen we had in, you know, our wedding party, uh, like I had, I had talked to them about you before and how much I loved you. And they'd kind of seen me through it. Poor Keith had to pick five groomsmen because I had lined up five bridesmaids immediately. <laughs> yeah. Within 24, 48 hours. Was it 24 or 48 hours? Like six hours. Yeah, so... Well, half of them that were there... Yeah. ...they proposed to me. That's true. ...on stage at my improv show. And that was fun. And I had no idea what was going on. And again, I'm more of a feelings guy than, than other guys, I think, what? but I know. But, yeah, it's not like talk to everybody about it, but yeah, a couple, you know, one or two people, you know, and it's good. I think it's good to have at least one or two people you can talk to, you know, yeah. about stuff, so... Well, I had no idea that this corner of the male experience existed. But... But most often it is it's it's baseball and beer. It's baseball and football, fishing, beer is usually there. And you so, talk during this or you just Yeah, watch? you're you're watching the game and then you just start talking little bits in between the plays and then you know, I mean you don't consci- I, at least I've never consciously done this, but you kind of like you talk, start talking a little bit and then sometimes the other guy will start talking a little bit about his life and then you start talking. But but it's never like the it's never like, Oh, we're having a conversation about thinking or, or lives we're watching a baseball game like that's okay. the important thing so the breakdown is when uh the wife asks the husband hey how's your friend i don't know yeah is that where the breakdown is yeah because the friend because the guy doesn't realize he's been talking about it. they haven't been talking about each other's lives for the past two hours and they, <laughs> they've been doing little bits of it but right. the main point was the game it's like i don't know how he's doing we're watching the game what are you talking about but yeah. so this movie made me laugh out loud quite a few times mm-hmm. i'm glad that i finally saw the whole thing I just really enjoyed it. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I I really liked it. So um, my rating is also going to be two thumbs way up. Woo! it was really good. And I will watch it again and again and again. Nice. And it's cool because when we were going to watch it originally, we had to pay for it. And mm-hmm. then when we turned it on last night, now it's on HBO Max. And we can watch it for free. Thank you, HBO Max. But we still may need to buy the actual tip. We might. I know they're going to get rid of it. Yeah, they, they are. They always get rid of everything. And if HBO Max wants to give us a free subscription, <laughs> we would welcome that as well. Because we use HBO Max a lot. We do. It's such a good product. <laughs> hey, guys. Are you hey. looking for something to watch? Why don't you look at HBO Max? <laughs> you can see some movies the same day that they come out in the theaters. <laughs> so if you like pajamas and I like pajamas, baby, what's the problem? For we know we need each other, so we better call the calling off off. Let's call the whole thing off.
idea about my movie. Our only like thing was we were trying to desperately find something that New was Year's New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. Related, yeah. And I will admit here that I'm a hypocrite because I gave Die Hard such a hard time for being a, not being a Christmas movie. These are not New Year's movies. These movies have allusions to New Year's. They have a party from New Year's. <laughs> but they're not New Year's movies. I think the only you could... I still think you can make the argument for When Harry Met Sally because the climactic scene happens at New Year's Eve. And could it be a Christmas party? Wouldn't it be the same thing. Yeah. You know, like where, it's where's New Year's Eve. They even make a big deal about like she needs to have someone to kiss. Like that's why she leaves the party because the thought of not having someone to kiss at midnight, she yeah. can't handle it. Yeah, so I would I would argue that When Harry Met Sally is a New Year's Eve movie in a way. Well, so. then I'm going to say that the inciting incident in A Lot Like Love <laughs> is a New Year's kiss, but it's not. No. <laughs> it's a bathroom at 10,000 feet, baby. <laughs> it's okay. Never mind. So anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just and to find out that A Lot Like Love was kind of inspired by oh. when Harry Met Sally. Yeah, it's such, it's such a good movie. All the connections. Mm-hmm. But, it, but like a Harry Met Sally like for the early 2000s. Yeah, at one point when we were watching uh, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher were, were in bed on the phone with Harry and Sally. And it was funny because I went, oh, they're both dead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it took <laughs> so sad. It took 61 takes to do that scene, right? Really? Because they're all 60, talking at the same time? There's no cuts. Oh, my gosh. They had three sound stages all connected, and they were connected on the phones. Oh. And so they had to, and evidently, take 54, <laughs> they finally had gotten through, oh like, gosh. the entire thing, and they all hung up in unison, uh-huh. and then Bruno Kirby fudged his next line. So they had to start <laughs> over, they had to do it over again. Oh so evidently, it took 61 of them to get that scene. It's a great scene, though. It's it's probably, like, no one talks about that scene, but I, it's such a good scene. I loved that scene. Yeah. I totally forgot to talk about it, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a really good scene yeah it was brilliant I didn't, all four of them such I laughed good so com- hard at that scene oh all four of them such good comedians and the timing is just yeah. perfect and yeah and it, the fact that they both have phones with their own numbers oh on the my side gosh. of their beds yeah that was hilarious oh it's yours oh it's your, no that's mine uh, <laughs> yeah it was mm-hmm. a good scene yeah it was brilliant. oh no i'm crying because everyone's dead <laughs> billy crystal and meg are still around but betty white is gone <laughs> That is true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Although if you had to, no one wants that to happen. No. But to go out New Year's Eve in your <laughs> 99th year. Taking where, 21 down with you. Yeah. I mean, she was such a good person in so many ways and a real inspiration for 2022. It's like, all right, got to make this one count. So uh, do it for Betty. Do it for Betty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, people are. I've, I've seen a couple of things of people are like making it a national holiday, her birthday, like January 17th, like do something kind. Yeah. And like another one that I thought was cool. Is some people are saying, well, you should donate to your local humane society. In her like name. everyone should oh. in her name on January 17th, which yeah. I think would as a former fundraiser. I'm like, that is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. You know, cause that's, that's Betty would not that I knew her, <laughs> but that would, I mean, I don't think Betty could ask for anybody to do anything more than that to, to help these animals that she's loved her whole life. So. Okay, I'm crying again. And now, now Corey's gone. Now we I have got... a sinus infection that I'm getting over. It's not COVID. And now I'm crying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor sweetie. Oh, anyway. Well, uh, so next week, uh, mm-hmm. when we were 
watching Scent of a Woman and I saw Gabrielle Anwar, mm -hmm. I had a visceral reaction because all of a sudden I remembered one of my favorite movies when I was in high school. And I have seen it, I don't even know how many times. Horse Whisperer? <laughs> no. Oh, the Wild Hearts can, Can't Be Broken? Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken? No, not that one. That okay. one was all right. It had Michael Scoffling in it, but that was about it. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Uh, Richard Grieco in If Looks Could Kill. Which made me have a visceral reaction. <laughs> because all I've ever know about that is that horrible close-up face poster. And everyone saying how horrible the movie was. So <laughs> no, I loved it. So she was so. So Corey was telling me, "Hey, we're gonna do. We got it. We we are doing this movie." I was informed that this was the next movie we we're I doing. I purchased it. It came in the mail because no. you can't get it online. That's always a good sign. When it came to spy movies, we almost I almost went James Bond, but for whatever reason, something in the back of my head is saying the movie we should do is uh, Kingsman. The Secret Service, which is a relatively new spy franchise that came out in 2014. Mm -hmm. They've had several movies. I haven't seen the other ones, although I'm sure I'll, I'll see it soon. But yeah, that original one I think was pretty good. So I can't wait for you to see it. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. I don't it's... know how I missed this movie. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I know why. But anyway, <laughs> you comic book spy? Spy comic books aren't on your radar? I mean, it's a comic book. It was at one point, but it's a good movie. Right. I thought it was getting out of a Marvel. Oh, no. We could, yeah, we could go into, <laughs> they never made a Danger Girls movie. That would be one of them that should be up there. And a what? Another one. Oh, was it Spy Boy? Spy Boy is another good one. But this one's Kingsman, The Secret Service. I think you'll like it. Oh, you're not going to love it, but I, I think there's a chance you'll like it, so. Does it have anybody that I would want to watch in it? Yeah, it's got uh, Colin Firth. Oh, okay. Well, so, that's, that's... Yeah, and Taron I think Taron Edgerton, is that the name of the gentleman? The young guy, he played... Um, I'll watch Colin Firth. Rocket Man. Who's Rocket Man? Elton John. Elton John. So he, he was the star of Rocket Man. I, I have to watch that. There's so many movies I need to watch. Eh, it wasn't that good. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched Rocket Man. When? Uh, one of these nights where I'm an insomniac, and it's like... On HBO Max is where I saw that, <laughs> which is an excellent product and excellent service. Product. And that... you can watch movies the same day they come out in the theater. Thank you so much for listening to our New Year's Eve episode after New Year's. Yeah, we hope that you had a, a wonderful holiday season and, you know, stay masked, stay safe. For Betty, we're going to make 2022 the best year ever. Do it for Betty. Do it for Betty. And if you want to see um, pictures of my bangs in the seventh grade, I will post wow. a picture on Facebook. They are impressive. <laughs> There's only one picture I know of where they exist, and wow. She's, okay, I'm going to have to dig. She's almost as tall as her <laughs> bigger brothers. So with, hair. with With the with hair. With the hair. <laughs> so, yeah, so check out our Facebook page. Check out our Instagram page. Yeah. And, um... We will talk at you next week. Steal the sun from the sky for you. Words can't say what love can do. I'll be there for you. Hey, I'm the theme song maker here. Do you want to sing that? Sing I'll be there for you? I want to make a theme song, not that stupid song. <gasps> bon Jovi is rolling over from <laughs> He's not dead. No. R.I.P.